You know, the Bible says that God's people are people who even hope against hope. And that means that you hope when you don't even have a lot of good reasons to hope. Because your hope doesn't come from your circumstances. Your hope comes from the one who dwells on the inside of you. Amen. And uh, we just believe that the Holy Spirit is just infusing us with faith, hope, and love in this season. And uh, we know that God's going to speak to us and strengthen us today. I want to just greet you on behalf of Bishop and Pastor Kathy. Uh, they're taking some time after Christmas with their family and uh, just taking some time away. And so we want to just continue to pray for them and bless them today with just refreshing strength to them. And uh, I know that uh, we're very excited about uh, what God has for us in January. And so next Sunday, um, we'll begin to ease into some things this morning uh, that'll set that up. But next Sunday, Bishop's going to be back and he's going to be beginning a series and some special uh, just directives that we feel for ourselves as a people uh, to position ourselves uh, to get ready for 2021. So I want you just to begin preparing your hearts for that. Uh, but we together as a church family are just going to do our best to dial in uh, to what God's saying. I know that typically we take time to pray and fast and do different things in January. And we felt a little bit of a different direction. Bishop will share about that on Sunday. And so we're going to dial in and focus in. And uh, in the meantime, by all means, uh, you dive in deep with God uh, in this season in, in whatever way you feel. But we're going to do it together as a church family next week in some really strategic ways. So I want you to just be ready for that. And I'm going to take uh, this morning and just teach some things that have really been helpful to me and that God's been speaking to me. And I think that for us as a church family, uh, the Holy Spirit just wants to help us get positioned properly. And uh, so I want to just share some thoughts with you out of James, the third chapter of James this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the epistle of James, chapter 3 and verse number 13. You guys ready for the word this morning? want to make sure you're ready. Amen. All right. James 3 verse number 13 says, who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. For such wisdom does not come down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, Boy, you ought to underline that phrase right there. Willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. James is talking to us about, in this passage, two 
wisdoms, two different kinds of wisdom. We sang this morning about building our life on the right foundation. How many of you remember Jesus said, if you build your house on a rock, then it'll stand. But if you build your house on sand, then it won't stand. How many of you remember in Jesus' parable that the, the rain and the winds and the storm came to both houses? Jesus didn't say, if you build your house on a rock, you won't ever have a storm. He just said, if you do that, when the storm's over, your house will still be there. I mean, you know, that's good news. James is talking to us about two wisdoms, two kinds of wisdom. The book of Proverbs tells us that by wisdom, a house is built. With understanding, it is established. And so part of what I want to teach and share with you about is just... Um, how we know what we're building with. Um, but I want to take a little bit of a different angle, and we'll eventually get into James and into 1 Corinthians 2. I want to try and just teach on this subject, learning how to hear the music beneath the noise. Learning how to hear the music beneath the noise. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for your people. We thank you for your church. We thank you for those that are here and those that are online, Lord, those that are listening at any time, we just pray that the Spirit of the living God would give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, Lord. Your words are life to us. And Lord, we need your word. We don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So would you speak to us today? Lord, would you enable me by your Spirit to communicate your heart and your truths? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you remember, we ended 2020 at the Gate Church by talking about stories. And we talked about how different people's stories give um, reflection to the heart of God, the character of God, the power of God, the love of God, the ability of God. And um, we, we focused in on the fact that, you know, God is writing our story. He is inviting us into the process of writing a beautiful story out of our lives. And how many of you know that ugly seasons don't disqualify you from having a beautiful story? And that's one of the gracious, redemptive things that God communicated to us in the month of December is that um, just because I'm in a moment of, uh, of a difficult season, it doesn't mean um, that, that, that this is the end of my life. Uh, you know, people from Oklahoma ought to understand as well as anybody that you can be in a good season and have bad weather. In Oklahoma, we can, we can be in a beautiful season and go to bed with, after having a 75-degree day with no wind, beautiful, you know, day, and we go to sleep and we wake up eight hours later and the ground is covered with snow, it's 28 degrees, and the wind is blowing 50 miles an hour. But how many of you know that 48 hours of bad weather doesn't mean that that bad weather has to define my whole season or my whole existence or my whole identity? And one of the things that the, the Word of God teaches us is to learn to be patient with God as He writes our story. 
How many of you know that God is, uh, is not like us in that he doesn't get nervous, anxious, or uptight about how old you're getting or how far you've made it or, 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 or where you're, whether you're far enough down the road as you think you should be? God has the ability to compress time. He has the ability to redeem time. And he said, even if you found that the canker worms and the locusts have eaten up your time, God says, I have the ability to restore everything that the canker worm has eaten and everything that has been destroyed. I feel like God has a word for somebody this morning that if 2020 is sort of a canker worm year for you, then that just means that you're in position for God to restore some things. That was a good place to say amen right there. So, so whether 2020 was a good year or 2020 was a bad year, what we understand is it's just a part, it's just a piece of the story of my life that God is writing. And I learned to read Scripture as a story, and I learned to reflect on my life as a story. David said in Psalm 45, the theme of my life has been good. How many of you know that when you walk with God, when you get to the end of your life, you'll look back on it and you'll say, the theme of my life has been goodness and mercy. That doesn't mean that every day was a good day. It doesn't mean that I was always on top. It doesn't mean I always made all the right decisions. But what it does mean is that there was a sovereign Lord watching over my life, making sure that the theme of my life was that goodness and mercy were following me all the days of my life. Yeah, I've got some bad chapters, and I've got some bad moments, and I've got some regrets, but at the end of the day, the theme, the story, the meta narrative of my life is that God has been good to me. He's made up for my mistakes. He's forgiven my iniquities. He's healed my diseases. He's satisfied me with good things. How many of you know you got a lot to be grateful for as you step into 2021? And so, uh, the, 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 the wisdom of lots of people tell us that there's great wisdom in learning how to look at our life as a story and look at Scripture as a story, but I want to throw out another paradigm that will help you, and that is that you don't only look at your life and your, your, your uh, Scripture as a story, but you learn how to look at them as a song. You look at them as a song, as a composition, or you could say as a, a, a symphony. And so then you begin to understand that just like God, how many of you know that when you get saved, you just say yes to God being the author? That's one of the things that God, the Bible calls God, is God, I've been authoring my story up until now, but I found out that my story with me at the pen is not going as well as I thought it could, and it's not, doing, it's not turning out how I thought it could, so I'm going to turn the authorship over to Jesus. Then Jesus becomes the author, and when you make Jesus the author, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead and be the finisher of your faith, too. And when you get Jesus as the author, you also get Jesus as the finisher. And if you don't know this yet, Jesus is a better finisher than you are. So you might have your car in the ditch on the side of the road, but if you invite Jesus into the authorship, he can redeem everything that's been lost and get you in a better place of finishing. But just like we invite Jesus to be the author of our story, we also need to invite Jesus to be the composer of our song or our symphony so that God becomes the director who's calling the rhythm and, and the cadence and the notes 
Are you with me? And all we're doing is paying attention to the conductor. You know, I don't know a whole lot about symphony because I haven't had a whole lot of career in the symphony world. But I've read a few things, and it doesn't matter how good the violin player could be like a a world-class violin player. When they play in the symphony, it's not their talent on the violin that determines how successful they are. It's how well they're able to pay attention to the conductor the orchestrator of the music because the orchestrator of the music is not just worried about how the violin sounds. He's worried about how the violin sounds with the horn section and the percussion section and the woodwind section and all of it blending together to make a beautiful, harmonious sound. And if you don't have Jesus as your orchestra director, then you'll just be worried about your little note on your little violin and your world will be too small and you'll never let God blend in all the other components of life and people into your life that make your song a beautiful song, beautiful music that reflects the glory of God. How many of you know when you see your song as a story, when you see your life as a story, or you see your life as a song, then you don't get as worried about the bad notes that you play? And how many of you know that you're not just doing a solo act with your Christian life? I was challenged over the holidays as I read some, some of the ancient fathers and some of the uh, old wise folks that have gone on to be with the Lord, and, and they challenged the whole notion that's very prevalent in our society today, and, and they challenged it by, by saying things like this, that there is no such thing as a privatized Christianity. If you have a privatized Christianity, then what you have is actually not Christianity at all. I knew it was going to get quiet in here right now, but I'm just going to keep on walking. That means if we've concocted something that says, I have this relationship with God that is just me and Jesus. Bishop used to sing that song. He was always kidding when he sang it, but he used to sing that song a lot, just me and Jesus. we got our own thing going. It is your thing going. But how many of you know that God invites you not into a privatized experience with just you and him? God invites you into an orchestra. He invites you into a family. He invites you into a group of people. He invites you into a community through which he makes your life more beautiful than it could have ever been on its own. Amen. I lost 80% of my amens when I told you. Let me just say, it was Carl Bart who said that there's no privatized Christianity. So you can email him at carlbart at carlbart.com, okay? He died about 60 years ago. But you can email him, tell him how you don't like that. I didn't say that. He said that. But how many of you know that we've got to let God get down into the foundational business of our life if we're going to give greater expressions of God's glory and beauty through every season of our life? So I'm saying, God, shake me out of my comfort. Shake me out of what I'm used to. Shake me out of everything that brings me comfort and security so that I can may go through a little bit of pain, but I want to experience the fullness of the beauty and the glory that you have for my life. See, the good news is about Christianity not being privatized and Christianity being emblematic of a song and a story is that God is inviting us into he is, he is allowing us to participate with him. Now, if you've been at the Gate Church for very long, then you already understand that the idea that salvation is a transaction whereby I just get to go to heaven when I die 
is something that we've got to do away with. Are you with me? I didn't say you don't get to go to heaven when you die. I just said that that idea that that's what salvation is, is something you've got to let go of so that God can give you something bigger. Because the story of Scripture is not that God just wants you to say a prayer so that you can go to heaven when you die. The story of Scripture is that God wants to invite you into participating with Him in the business of your life. So that His life becomes your life. His joy becomes your joy. His peace becomes your peace. His faith becomes your faith. His love becomes your love. So that your life is not your own, but your life is Christ living his life through you. Can I get an amen on Sunday morning? Here's the good news. The good news according to Zephaniah is that God is singing a song of redemption over you and over everybody else. How many of you know that God doesn't wait for you to come pray a prayer before he starts singing a song of redemption over you? God sings his song over you, and watch this. Salvation is just you getting your ears open to hear what God is already singing about you. You don't get saved and say the right prayer and do the right things to change God's mind, to make God feel good about you. God already loves you with an everlasting love. And all salvation is, is my ears getting opened up to hear what God is singing over me, that God is rejoicing over me. He's delighting in me, that he loves me with an everlasting love. So faith always begins with the ability to hear. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So how many of you know that salvation begins when I hear something I haven't heard before? How many of you know, contrary to the way that you grew up and maybe the way that things were run, the way that things were run when I was, uh, was growing up is that when you got saved, you just went down to an altar, and there was a little card, and there was a box beside saved, and you just checked the box. And then you knew you were saved. But how many of you found out that that is a little bit of a misleading image because when God saves you, he wants to keep on saving you? That salvation is a lifelong process that we continually have to give ourselves over to trusting God to keep on saving me. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, he has delivered you, he is delivering you, and he will deliver you. Paul said, not only is God needing to deliver you right now, but God knows that in your future, you're going to need deliverance in the future. You're going to mess up again, and God's just letting you know on credit in advance whenever that happens happens, I'll be the same God and the same God that saved you 30 years ago when you mess up and need salvation again in your future will be faithful to keep on saving you. He that begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He that authored the faith in you will be faithful to finish it. He that started something in you, he that began a beautiful song in you will bring that song of salvation all the way to its culmination and its completion. How many of you know it's not dependent on me? Thank God it's dependent on him and his faithfulness. So here's the challenge is that God keeps singing this song. Salvation is me getting in tune with God's song. Salvation is me getting in rhythm with God's song. Sinfulness is just me simply being off key. Sinfulness is just me being out of rhythm. 
Jesus described the life with him in one passage as learning the unforced rhythms of grace. How many of you know that God just wants to bring you into his rhythm and his harmony? You get harmonized. Actually, one of the Greek words that the Bible uses to describe us being in connection with God is the word we get the word harmony from. How many of you know that the more you get in tune with Jesus, the more harmonious and beautiful your life becomes? But here's the challenge. The challenge is that while God's singing this beautiful song, so God is singing this beautiful song, and God is writing this beautiful story, and salvation is me beginning to hear what God is singing and writing over my life so that I begin to participate with God in what he's doing. That's beautiful enough, isn't it? Doesn't that sound just simple as pie? Well, how come life gets so complicated? Why do things get so difficult? Because the song that God's singing is not the only song that's being sung in your life. The problem is that God is not singing off key. And the problem isn't that God isn't singing loud enough. The problem is that you and I live in a world that is so noisy, we have a difficulty staying in tune with the song of the Spirit over our life. And so the the Bible, the prophets would come along and they would tell people, hey, uh, Isaiah would come along. He'd say, look, you guys have gotten way off track and you found yourself singing the wrong song. So what you need to do is... Sing a new song unto the Lord. And every time God saved people or delivered people, He always had them sing a song. From the very beginning, when He brought them through the waters of Exodus, He said, I can't save you unless you release a song. And Miriam grabbed her tambourine and began to sing the salvation song of God. So every time God worked some salvific action in my life, in fact, the way that we invite God's salvific action in our life is by choosing to sing a new song when things don't look like we think they ought to look and they don't line up with what God has for my life. I don't complain. I don't get depressed. I don't fall into discouragement. I grab myself by the Spirit and I say, you are a child of the living God. Sing a new song unto God. And when God hears a new song, he responds with delivering, saving, liberating action. That's good news. So we've got God's song he's singing over our life, and we've got God's story. But the problem is we get a lot of noise. Try to, so it gets, how many of you know we live in a noisy world? It's noisier than it's ever been, I think. And so we get a lot of noise. And so um, I recently read this quote, and it said, faith is the ability to hear the music beneath the noise. Faith is the ability to hear the music beneath the noise. And I think that's a really wise statement because, like I told you, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. So how many of you know that the level of faith you're operating in will always be connected to how well you're hearing and what you're listening to? That's why if you listen to the wrong things, you won't find yourself standing on a firm foundation of faith. 
And if you start listening, so I'm concerned about lots of people, myself included, who live in a noisy world because it becomes much easier to listen to the wrong things. And what I'm listening to is important because what I'm listening to is always directly affecting my faith connection with an eternal God. Are you with me? So I want to... Um, I did some. I had them had them help me out and do some uh, pre uh, work for you here on the. Uh, let me see if I can get this loosened up here. We'll see if this works. Thank God for the wonderful team that works so diligently. So watch this. So James tells us that there are two realities going on at the same time. There's wisdom from above. And there's wisdom from below. And in the world that is characterized by the surface, there is a lot of noise, and that noise produces a narrative. And so we have the noisy, and I'm just going to let you fill in all the blanks, okay? I'm not going to fill them in for you, but I think you can figure out where the noise in your life is coming from. So the noise produces a narrative, and the narrative a lot of times just ends up sounding like this. These are just a couple of examples that I am, uh, my identity is in what I own. My identity is in what I achieve. Uh, you know, it's us versus them. There's, uh, it's all based in fear and scarcity. There's not enough, so I have to fight to get ahead and all this kind of a fear. This is what the Bible calls the world. And so this is how they live. It's just materialism, consumerism, and it, it is a lot of noise that produces a narrative. But watch this. Here's what James says. James says if we learn how to listen, then uh, beneath all of that, there is the music or the song of God's salvation, and it's moving in a different direction. Are you with me? And it is producing a counter narrative. I want to restore the idea and get this deep in your spirit this morning that the gospel of the kingdom is a counter narrative. That Christianity is a countercultural phenomenon. That Christianity will always be swimming upstream against the currents of the culture that you find yourself in. And it doesn't matter what those details and dynamics are, you've got to understand that the Holy Spirit empowers you to hear a different song so that you recognize this narrative is a lie and it cannot produce life. The truth is, is that I am a child of God in giving I receive. I'm rooted in love and abundance, not in fear and scarcity. And I am not just a consumer or a competitor. I am a part of God's covenant community family, and I am a citizen of heaven. Now, that's a mouthful right there. That's why I had to write on the whiteboard before you got here in four different colors. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a mouthful. But are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So the point is that this is what's interesting and paradoxical. And I don't want to get lost in all the details, but I want you to catch this. Here's what's interesting, is that James says that the wisdom from above is pure and peaceable and merciful and produces fruits of righteousness, and the wisdom that is from below, and I know I have them written backwards. I'll explain that in a minute. The wisdom that is from below is full of envy, strife, Selfish ambition, 
all sorts of com- competition, you know, putting your brother down, putting your neighbor down, trying to get ahead, elbowing people, talking bad about people. James says if that's what's going on in your life, then you need to know you're drawing from the wrong well of wisdom. You're drawing from the wrong place of wisdom, and you're building your house on the wrong kind of wisdom. You're not building a house that Jesus authors the story of and that Jesus is the composer of the song of. You're building a house just by culture's values and wisdom, and you're just putting Jesus and Christian like a name tag at the guest party on top of a life and a house that you're building with wisdom that is not from him. And just to be sure that you understand what's going on, James explicitly tells you that wisdom is not from God. That wisdom is demonic and devilish. And it is possible to be a person who puts Jesus on my name and life because I have some sort of faith in Jesus but be living my life in the wrong kind of wisdom. Am I doing okay? We're going to go somewhere this morning. Y'all ready to go there? So it's possible for me to be operating with wisdom from below, even though I'm trying to live my life in this way with Jesus. But how many of you know it's important not that I just use Jesus and dress up my own ambition in Christian language. I have to truly surrender the authorship, the lordship, and the composership of my life to Jesus. So that that means that if Jesus tells me to live my life in the business world in a way that is counterintuitive to the wisdom of the business world, then I put my trust in Jesus and I say, Lord, it may not make sense to my colleagues, but I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to trust that at the end of the day and the end of the story, I'll come out more blessed by following Jesus than I would if I followed the wisdom of the world. Amen. So you fill in the blanks of your own life and you figure that out. But watch this. In the Message Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll get ready uh, to, to begin closing here in just a minute. But I want to show you something out of 1 Corinthians 2 that hopefully will tie this all together. Paul begins to talk to us about wisdom. Are you learning anything this morning? Paul begins to talk to us about wisdom. And he says, we, of course, have plenty of wisdom. This is verse number six in the Message Bible. We have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you, on to you once you get your feet on firm, solid ground. But it's not popular wisdom, the fashionable wisdom, that high-priced experts, and it will be out of date a year or so. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined is the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. Man, that's good news. The experts of our day don't have a clue about what his eternal plan is. If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life on a cross. That's why we have this scripture. And now we're going to jump down. He quotes Isaiah. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. But look at verse number 10 with me real quick. But you're, you've seen and heard it. You've seen and heard what? God's plan. 
because by his spirit, God brought it all out into the open before you. Watch this. The spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. So here, when we look at 1 Corinthians 2 and we think about James 3, we get a whole new key opening up some understanding to us, and that is this, that the wisdom from below, it comes from way down here below, and it looks like wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above, it's from the God who is above all, it comes and it doesn't just flit around here on the surface, it dives down deep into the purposes of God. So watch this, that means that as a Christian, if I really, and, the, and, and 1 Corinthians 2 says that the Holy Spirit is always take, leading me deep into the wisdom of God. So that means that the Holy Spirit is always going to be leading me out of the noise and into the mu beautiful music of God, into the beautiful wisdom of God, but it's never just found on the surface. That means I can't just wake up, start a cup of coffee, and turn on the news and find the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God isn't laying around on the surface. I can't just have a cup of coffee and open Facebook and find the wisdom. I'm going to preach up in here in a minute. you got to get somewhere with the Holy Spirit that takes you to a deeper place of contemplating the wisdom and the beauty of God. you got to take a few minutes and say, God, Facebook ain't going to get me through this storm. Fox News ain't going to get me through this storm. I need a word from heaven to build my life on, and I'm going to make room in my day for me to commune with you so that my life is built on something more solid than the noise that just flits around on the surface of life. Am I doing okay? So, so, it's, so my concern is that we have people who sincerely want to follow Jesus, but they live their whole life caught up in the crazy noise of this world, and they don't ever allow the Holy Spirit, give Him 15 minutes in the morning just to take you a little bit deeper without some noise. Because as I said to you again, Watch this, and this is so important for somebody. It's not that you, what you don't need, you don't need God to start singing over you. God is already singing a beautiful song over you. That's all God's doing. That's all God's thinking about you. That's all God is releasing towards you is a beautiful song of love and redemption. So what you need is to change the atmosphere of your life so that you can hear something you haven't been hearing before. This is the key to us becoming a kind of people who stand out. And we are still in a great opportune moment in this moment to stand out as the people of God. Now, how many of you know that as a Jesus follower, when you get into a storm, I think we've already mentioned, you know, that a lot of people would characterize uh, 2020 as a stormy year. But how many of you know when you get into a storm in your life, there's two ways that you can really, um, you know, you could really bear witness to the kingdom of God and to Jesus in two ways. The first way is that you could just boldly stand up and speak peace to that storm. 
and then that storm would just die down. You could be just like Jesus. And isn't that amazing when that happens? Yeah, you know, there's people in here that would raise their hand and say, I've seen that happen. I mean, there's a storm coming on the horizon, and I stood up and said, peace to that storm in the name of Jesus, and that storm just died down. And wasn't that wonderful? But how many of you know that there are other times in life that God shows his glory through you, not by letting you stand up and speak peace to the storm, but there are other times in your life that God lets his glory shine bright through you by the storm not dying down, but the storm visiting your house. And then when the storm passes over, you stand bright, not because you spoke peace to the storm, but because you're just still standing after the storm went by. <laughs> There's a, you might have a window blown out, and your gutter might be hanging from the corner of the house, but baby, you can say the foundation was good. We can repair this, and we can repair that. I might not have got everything right, but my house is still, I'm looking for somebody at the gate church who can say at the beginning, of 2020, I want to give God praise right now because my house is still standing. I may not have the same job I had. I may not have the same bank account I have, but I still got the same God. I still got the same Savior. God has been good to me. I said peace, and it kept coming, but my house is still standing. You, you might have lost some things in 2020, but your house is still standing. Your kids might have gone through some hard times, but your house is still standing. You may not have everything where you want it to be, but your house is still standing. So let's begin this year by giving God thanks. He's been good to us. Amen. Amen. The wisdom of God is not the wisdom of the world. So 1 Corinthians 2 calls this up here. Paul says, you've not received the spirit of the world. But he says... You've received the Spirit of God. And when you've received the Spirit of God, what the Spirit of God wants to do, don't miss this, is He wants to show you. That's what 1 Corinthians 2.10 says. And God has freely revealed them to us by His Spirit. Reveal what to us? All the things that God has prepared for us. So you know what? God has some prepared things for you in 2021. But do you know where you're going to find them? Not in the noise. You know where you're not going to find them? Not on the surface. You know where you're not going to find them? Just going through your everyday, whatever you've been doing for the last 365 days, trying to survive and make it. What you ought to do in January is say, God, I want to make some space for you in my life. I want to make some space for you and I to have some deep communion. Can I tell you that you don't have to be smart to have a deep relationship with God? You don't have to have a degree to have a deep relationship with God? You don't have to have, you know, uh, to memorize your Bible to have a deep relationship with 
with God. Do you know what you have to have to have a deep relationship with God? you got to have hunger. That's all you need is a little bit of hunger and a little bit of thirst to say, God, I want your spirit to take me deeper in you than I've ever been. I want to see some things I've never seen before. I want to hear some things I've never heard before. I want to commune with you. I want to build my life on a firm foundation. And so the question of our life begins to become, what foundation are we building our house on? Or watch this, what root system, you know, the Bible says you're going to be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. And what I'm concerned about with a lot of us in this modern day is that we are uh, called to be a tree planted by rivers of living water, but our roots only run as deep as the world's roots. So that that means that, here's this other big word right here, um, economy. Let me just write that word up there, economy. See, so if you get somebody who's in the world, he is rooted in the economy. So if the economy gets shaken, then this guy who doesn't know Jesus... He gets shaken, right? What I'm concerned about is sometimes when I look at this guy and then I look at the Jesus follower, when the economy gets shaken, this guy gets shaken and so does the Jesus follower. And what that tells me is that the guy has a little bit of a revelation about Jesus, but he hasn't rooted himself in anything deeper. He's only rooted himself in wisdom from above, and he's operating in the spirit of the world. But if he let the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would drop his roots down way further into the kingdom of God so that he would begin to understand that if the whole economy, it, not if you lose your job, if you the whole company goes under. If everything goes under, God has an ability to provide rivers in the desert. God has an ability to open up the windows of heaven and say you're rooted to something deeper. I'm just trying to get myself there and letting you come with me. I want my roots to go deeper in 2020. One. 2020 is over. Somebody say, praise God. 2021, take your roots deeper. 2021, evaluate. So that's what James is saying. He's saying, guys, I want you to enter into this great fruitfulness. But here's the thing I want to say to the gate church, and I'm getting ready uh, to close and be done. But here's the thing. Let me show you what the answer is not. The answer is not for us to say, wow, that's a nasty, terrible world up there. Let's retreat from it and go down as far as we can. Because the picture that God gives us in Scripture is not of a people who retreat from a noisy world, but a picture of a people who root themselves in something so deep that their tree grows so high that their branches extend into a noisy world. So I want to talk to somebody who works in a nasty business environment. Or I want to talk to somebody who works at, you know, wherever you work. I mean, I don't care if it's Taco Bell or the hospital or the or Devon Energy. I don't care where you work. It could be a nasty, noisy world. I want you to know that God wants to empower you to be rooted so deep in the river of God's kingdom wisdom that you stretch forth your branches 
branches into a noisy world and start bearing fruit all up in that joint. And people say, where did that fruit come from? Where did that love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness come from? You say, that comes from way down below. That didn't come from me, baby. I'm just the branch. You ought to meet the vine. If you think the fruit on this branch is pretty, you let me introduce you to the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him shall bear much fruit. He didn't say, I'm the vine, Brother Felix, and you're the branches, and you'll bear fruit in a good year. He said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear fruit. Psalm chapter 1 says he yields his fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. Why? Because he's rooted in the wisdom of God. Amen. And so what I want to say to you is that in order, some of you feel like you need to re-emerge. How many of you know you just need to, you just need to re-enter? How many of you feel like you just need a reset? Let me give you three phrases and then we'll be done real quickly. Number one, that if you're going to re-emerge, it's going to require you to submerge. See, I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me this week that there are people at the Gate Church that 2021 is going to be a year of re-emergence for you. You need to get faith on that, that this is my year just to re-emerge. But how many of you know before you re-emerge, you're going to have to submerge? How many of you know if you're going to re-emerge with power, you're going to have to go deeper than you've been? So get comfortable in the cocoon. Get comfortable in the cocoon. Get, get comfortable in the submerged place. Number two, um, if you're going to reappear, you might have to get comfortable with a little season of disappearance. So how many of you know if you want to really reappear in kingdom, then maybe you ought to try to quit getting noticed on social media and get comfortable being in a disappeared moment. What I love about Jesus is I don't, I don't love the parts about Jesus where it says, man, the crowds and the throngs about him, and there was thousands of people, and he fed them. What I love about Jesus is you read in the Gospels, it's like Jesus disappeared to the mountain. He just, whoop, I'm out of here. I know this is too much for me. I'm going to go over here with my father. I need a little time right here. Get things. Ooh, that's countercultural. So if we're going to reappear, we're going to have to get comfortable disappearing. And then watch this. I don't believe we need to disengage from the world. I don't need to be intimidated by your workplace, by your world, by your calling, by your mission. None of that changed. You just need to re-engage it. But how many of you know sometimes to re-engage it effectively, I just have to disengage it. So I just, you know, I'm going to pull out of that for a minute. I'm going to get here, and I'm going to get rerooted. And so we want January, watch this, we want January to be a time at the Gate Church where we just say, hey, we're going to take time to get our hearts in a listening posture. You see, we didn't come out, and we're not going to come out in January and just say, hey, here's what God is saying. We're going to come out in January and say, hey, let's listen together for a season until we hear what God is saying. Let's tune in to the music of heaven and let's dial down the noise of the world. Can you get in agreement with that today? And so what I want to say to you, here's a couple of verses just practically to help you. You guys can begin playing, Sarah, if you want to. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 33. It says, but the one who always listens to me will live an undisturbed will live undisturbed in a heavenly peace. Free from fear, confident and courageous, you will rest 
unafraid, and sheltered from the storms of life. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 2, watch this. So train your heart to listen when I speak and open your spirit wide to expand your discernment. And then pass that on to your sons and your daughters. I want you all to leave that up there for a minute. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 2. Go back to that first phrase of that. Train your heart to listen when I speak. And open your spirit wide to expand your discernment. You know what? You know what we need a lot of? We need a lot of listening hearts. And we need a lot of discerning spirits right now. And I believe what, what's in Bishop's heart for us as a people is for us to lead the way in saying, God, we know we need to hear from you. So we're going to make time and space to hear the voice of God. We're going to make time and space not to just react to what's going on, but to discern what God's saying. The sons of Issachar understood their times and they knew what to do. They knew how to discern. And so God's going to give us discerning hearts. God's going to give us listening hearts. You ready to step into that this morning, Gate Church? If you're watching online, I want you to step into that right now. We're going to stand to our feet all over the building. If you're watching us online, then I just want you to get those that are with you just gathered around and say, God, come on, guys, let's just open up our hearts. Let's do what Proverbs 2.2 says and say, God, open our hearts to hear from you. Why? so that we can expand our discernment. So why don't you just turn your hands toward heaven right now? Just lift your eyes toward heaven. Let's set our let's set our mind on things above right now. Let's set our thoughts on things above on heavenly things. And let's just begin to say God, more than anything as we begin this year, we want to begin to hear what you're saying. Open up our hearts and our lives to the spirit of the living God.